When you look at men's basketball and 99% of the jobs go to men, why shouldn't 100 or 99% of the jobs in women's basketball go to women? Maybe it's because we only have 10% women athletic directors in Division I. People hire people who look like them, and that's the problem. I cannot thank Dick Vitale enough because he was so progressive and his support of women's athletics, women's basketball in particular at that time, was unheard of nationally. I think that I do believe as an athletic director, he supported our women's program more than any other athletic director in the nation was willing to do so at that time. Hello everyone, welcome to Powering Up, a cross-generational conversation about leadership and power through a female lens. I'm Ann Doyle, author of the book, Powering Up, How America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. And I'm Monica Doyle, and just to clarify once again, Ann is not my mom, she is my aunt. <laughs> Would happy to be your mom, but uh, <laughs> maybe you're adopted, uh, but aunt is good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about that a lot when we first started doing this podcast, but do you realize that was one year ago, September 18th, 2018? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I've had lots of people still email me or ask me, because we have the same last name, if you're my daughter. Mm-hmm. Paternal aunt. <laughs> there you go. Paternal aunt. That's right. Well, and I can't believe we've been doing this for a whole year. That first podcast was about Aretha Franklin, uh, the incredible crowds that turned out here in Detroit to celebrate the queen of soul. But yeah. I'm excited about today's topic, which is one of my favorites, women in sports. Yeah. And uh, our guest is Hall of Fame basketball coach, uh, who helped shape and define women's sports in Michigan and nationally in the late 1970s and 80s when female athletes and teams got very little respect or money back then. Sue Krzyzewski-Hardy had a great record as a Detroit high school basketball coach when Dick Vitale, yes, the Dick Vitale, brought her to the University of Detroit to start the Lady Titans women's basketball program which was a feared and respected team that made history, or maybe I should say made herstory. <laughs> Welcome, Coach Sue. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here speaking with you two today. Well, I want to start with Sue's perspective from the late 1970s, when sports opportunities for females were really just beginning, thanks to Title IX federal legislation that um, you know, we're basically requiring uh, more equal opportunity in sports through schools back then. But as a reporter, uh, I covered your Lady Titan teams uh, that the University of Michigan back then was afraid to play. And I remember you went 18-3 and three in your first college season. Now, how did you get the Lady Titans off to such a strong and still a very historic start? Well, I was very fortunate to have a wonderful athletic director at the University of Detroit that recruited me to come start the program uh, at the university out of Dominican High School, where I had been for a number of years with a successful high school program. When I went to the University of Detroit, 
he gave me the opportunity to develop very quickly because he gave me the funding to do it and he gave me the support to do it. And you're talking about Dick Vitale I'm here. talking about Dick Vitale, right. Uh, he... Uh, I told him that if we were going to develop a if we were going to develop a program at all, and it was going to be a, a big success, which I wanted it to be, if I was going to come, he would have to give me uh, equal monies in order to have 15 athletic scholarships, have the same kind of locker room he had for the men, and the same kind of funding that I could use for recruiting and uniforms, and to develop that program. And he agreed to that, and. I must say he did a wonderful job of supporting us and helping us move in the right direction, which we were able to do immediately. Wow. And it, it was incredible because, you know, I was a reporter covering sports back then in the late 70s and early 80s. And, and at the very same time that you had that experience with Dick Vitale and we're building the Lady Titans, Michigan State University's women's basketball team was suing Michigan State University, taking them to court because of um, they were practicing on a court where literally there were buckets on the court to catch the dripping water. I mean, I, I witnessed that. And, um, you know, the, the, the athletes were washing their own uniforms. I mean, they were getting... Uh, less food. I mean, there was so much discrimination. And, and what a difference between two universities right there. And that, I think, was an example of what was going on nationally. It was, I cannot thank Dick Vitale enough because he was so progressive and his support of women's athletics, women's basketball in particular at that time, was unheard of nationally. I think that I do believe, as an athletic director, he supported our women's program more than any other athletic director in the nation was willing to do so at that time. And I don't think people realize that about Dick Vitale that much. I mean, he's very, very well known and uh, really a national personality in terms of his commenting on basketball, a great coach and a, a national commentator. But what he has done for women, I don't, I don't hear that talked about much. Well, back then, he... Whenever he was always on the air, obviously, because he had a great a men's basketball team at the same time, and he always supported our women's team. He always talked about the Lady Titans over at the University of Detroit, and I always spoke on the same, uh, at all the same uh, dinners that he was speaking at also. I made sure that I went on first, though, because I certainly wasn't going to follow that man. He was a tremendous speaker and very well respected, even certainly around the state of Michigan at that time. And then he became national speaker after that when he went with ESPN and took over their basketball. But he, he's always been different times. I've known he's talked about Pat Summit and what she was doing at the University of Tennessee and how successful she was and, and how much uh, he appreciated what she was capable of doing. So he, he, he's always been supportive. And people nationally should know that, that he was right. very much behind women. Well, and actually, the first thing that I thought when you said that you had demanded the same amount of money and the same amount of locker room quality was the fact that you got that would be incredible today. Yeah. You know, this was back in the 70s, and I can imagine being blown away if, like, a women's college hockey or bas basketball, baseball program got the same funding as men today. Like, it's unheard of today. <laughs> and I guess that's the point yeah. that we want to talk about yes. here is that we are now 50 years down the road. Uh -huh. And uh, and what do we see happening? I mean, we see uh, the women's teams uh, basically standing up and starting to sue. 
as yeah. they did back then. Well, and actually, Anne, you brought up a really good point earlier, how things have changed. You know, it's like it's all been one step along the way. You know, the first step is getting women's programming. The next step is, you know, getting women's programming to be seen. And now it's getting women's programming to be on an equal foot with men. And one thing that I really think that we need to say here is equal foot with men doesn't mean that we want <laughs> to just have it given to us. We want the programming that we've earned and, and we want our earnings to reflect our abilities. Yeah, and that leads me to uh, want to play a, a, a soundbite mm-hmm. uh, from the great Notre Dame coach, uh, Muffet McGraw who, um, you know, she has been the women's head basketball coach at the University of Notre Dame since 1987, and she has led the Irish to two national championships and multiple appearances in the final championship game. Um, Really created a dynasty there. And um, she made headlines this year at the NCAA championships uh, when she talked about how tired she is of this gender imbalance in sports. So let's listen to what Muffy McGraw had to say, and then, uh, Sue, I'd like your reaction to that. We don't have enough female role models. We don't have enough visible women leaders. We don't have enough women in power. Girls are socialized to know when they come out, gender roles are already set. Men run the world. Men have the power. Men make the decisions. It's always the men that is the stronger one. And when these girls are coming out, who are they looking up to to tell them that that's not the way it has to be? And where better to do that than in sports? All these millions of girls that play sports across the country, they could come out every day, and we're teaching them great things about life skills, but wouldn't it be great if we could teach them to watch how women lead? This is a path for you to take to get to the point where in this country we have 50% of women in power. We have less, less now, right now less than 5% of women are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. So yes, When you look at men's basketball and 99% of the jobs go to men, why shouldn't 100 or 99% of the jobs in women's basketball go to women? Maybe it's because we only have 10% women athletic directors in Division I. People hire people who look like them, and that's the problem. What do you think about what she had to say to the national media, Sue? Well, she's absolutely right. We have to have the people that are successful right now and are being heard step up and talk for the people that are not being heard. And women should be coaching women just for role models' sake. Uh, Just the fact that I've always been a firm believer that a man does not understand a woman as much as a woman understands a woman. And so if you're dealing with with personalities, with with individuals that uh, you want – someone in there that's going to understand a woman and you know a man will tell you in no uncertain terms that there's an awful lot about women that they'll never understand (laughs) (laughs) and one of them probably is stay away from coaching women uh uh, let let a woman handle that because she's she's probably i know she's she's uh, much better at doing something like that and i think the point isn't that only women should coach women or that only men should coach men but that when you're in a situation where 99% of the men's coaching jobs are held by men, but dramatically increased numbers of men are now taking over these jobs for women. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Well, and one thing that I think it's important to point out is that 
jobs like an assistant coach job like she's talking about in that audio clip like these are jumping off points for women if you're not giving the job of an assistant coach to a woman then you are literally taking away an opportunity for her to get into a higher position in the coaching industry so not giving women these opportunities that are literally ripe for the taking for women like coaching women's sports you're literally holding them back it's literally sexism Exactly. And here's a couple of statistics I want to mention. So in 1972, that's when Title IX was enacted, a federal requirement of um, ending blatant gender discrimination in school sports. More than 90% of the women's college teams across two dozen sports, 90% of those had female head coaches. Today, that number is 40%. So look at the dramatic difference there in terms of job opportunities. And in 1978, 79% of the coaches in just women's college basketball were women, almost 80%. Today, it's down to 57%. What do you think is the mindset that goes on with this, Sue, that now we have to attack? I mean, you can say, okay, this is sexism. We know that. But the mindset of... Putting men in those jobs over women, um, which is which is a big problem. Probably the mindset begins with the fact that the majority of the schools, particularly at, at the college level, all have men athletic directors. Oh, there you go. Mm. And they feel that a man is going to be superior with their coaching abilities over a woman and develop a program that they can be successful with at their school and generate money money is coming into the program and it usually is about the bottom line mm-hmm. in this regard when it comes to these jobs like coaching jobs like this i think attitude is probably your best weapon and that's something that i've noticed by talking to sue you know she was given this opportunity she said okay i'll do it but you got to give me this and i want it and you're gonna give it to me or else it's not gonna happen right and I mean, one thing that I've noticed, like at the ice rink that I work at, um, I've noticed some of the other women going up to the office and being scared to ask for their paycheck. Like they don't want to ask for their paycheck. And then I come along and kick in the door and be like, where's my money? (laughs) So I think this is how you were raised. (laughs) It is. It is how I was raised. But um, but I expected your whole generation to be like that. What's the problem? Well, And more than that, I think we need to start telling women that they can behave that way they don't have to behave like a woman they can behave like a human being and demand what what they need to get to do the job you know um and it it says it it applies to things way beyond sports as well i think we really as women need to start demanding what we deserve and i think that's what we're seeing in sports right now and i think that's what she was saying with that quote of I demand more women. And so since I have the power to do it, I'm not going to give these opportunities to a man. I think women need these opportunities. I have the ability to give it to them, and so I'm going to. Right. The women's national soccer team has (laughs) just blown that right up in Mm -hmm. terms of the fact that everyone was talking about them, and the coverage was was very, very good for them and exciting, and and they won. And, and, you know, it shows what can be done with women in sports when they're given the opportunity and and giving the same kind of support. But, you know, they have to – they have to prove themselves too as as far as being winners and and uh, the only way they can do that is by getting the support 
from the, the people that they need to get the support from. And so, once again, I will say it's up to the Division One or college athletics, it's up to the president of that university to filter down then to the athletic director of that university, uh, to the actual coaches, uh, whether we can do more to support our women in sports in those programs. So they need to be doing that. They're not doing it right now. Mm-hmm. But I have to add that, I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but the uh, you know there was tremendous excitement after they won the World Cup. And here, you know, even in the championship stadium after they won, the crowds were chanting not only USA, USA, but equal, equal pay, pay, equal pay. Equal pay. But now um, the talks have broken down. Mm-hmm. And so we thought there was going to be this tremendous breakthrough. And, uh, you know, no one's paying attention, so you have to keep paying attention to that, and that fight is not over, even though they did what they did in yeah. terms of the money they bring in, uh, the attendance that they have, that the, the record-setting uh, global audience that watch those games, they've proven themselves over and over again, and yet still. Well, and I think one thing that, would, what that really benefits women is to have these strikes not after they win the cup, but before. <laughs> you know, like when when the the women's hockey team thing happened in 2017, like you were there, you were at USA, you saw how many women turned out to support them. I yeah. was there at the semifinals, you were at the finals. Yeah. You know, it and the thing that really drives it home to, you know, the organizations is people showing up and saying, "Yes, we want to support this. Equal pay, equal pay." You know, and so I think they did a great job, you know, they won the cup. But ultimately, you know, next time the opportunity comes around, refuse to play because the only thing that really affects them is their wallet. <laughs> Shit, that's an excellent point because the, the women soccer players have been fighting for this for 10 years. Yeah. And it's brought to the forefront and then all of a sudden it dissipates and it's gone and it, it's, not, it's not working. And so I think you've got a really good point there that maybe if you refuse to play that uh, things will change. Let's circle back here to um, basically the benefits of sports. I think we've all been assuming, you know, uh, Monica was talking about the fact that you've got to you got to demand, as Sue did 50 years ago. <laughs> you've got to know your value and demand it. And I think that that's what we have felt is that girls and young women playing sports is a very, very important part of that in terms of building that kind of confidence. Uh, in yourself, do you? I'm assuming you agree with that in oh. terms of the value of sports. Oh, absolutely. My grades were better when I was the same. Hockey. The same benefits that men get from participating in athletics, the women get as far as developing leadership, confidence in themselves, learning to to uh, be a, uh, a leader as well as a follower, and and. Learn to play as a group and a team effort instead of individual effort. All those important things that are just as important for the men, boys certainly are as important for the women. And I've, I've watched my athletes through the years, and I, I still follow many of them. I still have contact with many of them and, and how successful they've become in life. And they will tell you that part of that was probably because they participate in athletics. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, I want to um, wrap up a little bit here by mentioning that we've witnessed some very, very powerful examples um, during the recent U.S. Open about mentoring from female athletes to the next generation of athletes. Uh, we saw um, Naomi Osaka uh, mentoring uh, Coco Goff, you know, when she lost to her and she was 
crying, and uh, there was uh, it was a very powerful moment. And Naomi, what was called to her and basically wanted and urged her to speak to the fans, not to go off to the court. And she said, they need to hear from you. And she said, I don't know if I can. I'm crying. And um, we're going to listen to that. Coach, this crowd absolutely loves you. Wipe those tears away. Tell us what Naomi told you at the net. Um, she told me that I did amazing and good luck. And then she asked if I could do an encore interview with her. And I said no, because I knew I was going to cry the whole time. But she encouraged me to do it. You're only 15, Coco. This is your first US Open in the main draw. What has the experience been like? And tonight playing against one of the very best in the world, number one, Naomi. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, she did amazing, and I'm going to learn a lot from this match. And she's been so sweet to me, so thank you for this. Thank you. So we have come a long way with role models. As far as mentoring goes, that they, they do have the younger generation, your, your teenagers that are, are doing so well with, like you say, professional tennis, have their role models to look up to. And, and, right. And we didn't have that back in the old didn't days. There were that. no role models. Well, and I think you actually are a great role model yourself, Sue. So I would actually like to sort of wrap up a little bit by asking you what um, advice you can give to the next generation of leaders who are listening right now. I guess the point that probably I would like to make is that uh, believe in yourself. Uh, have the confidence that, that you've got the ability to succeed and be successful and be willing to pass that on to others and to help others, to be a mentor to others whenever possible, because that's the only way that we're going to progress is if we do help one another. Uh, that, that, that would probably be the number one thing that, that I'd want to say. Just uh, uh, if you don't believe in yourself and if you, you feel that you cannot do it, you certainly will never do it. Mm. Yeah, there's that sport mentality of if you fall down, get back up. Sports mm -hmm. teaches you that. And I love the quote from uh, Coco Goff, who actually said, um, you know, one of the best things, a great athlete is somebody who is your worst enemy on the court <laughs> and can be your best friend off the court. And, and I think that's about healthy competition, but don't make it personal once you get off the court. Is mm -hmm. that right? Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Hall of Fame and trailblazing <laughs> basketball coach Sue Krzyzewski-Hardy uh, for being with us. Well, I've enjoyed it very much. I thought it was very interesting, and I think we need so much of this out in the public eye talking about women's sports because the more people hear, the more they may understand that there's a really value in what we can provide for them in the sports world. Thanks for being with us today, Sue, and thanks for joining us. We hope you'll subscribe and share Powering Up Podcast with your networks. Have a great week, everybody. I'm Monica Doyle. And I'm Ann Doyle. And let's, let's all go, go power up. up. Thanks for joining us at Powering Up. We hope you'll subscribe and share us with your network. 
Monica and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page or at Andoyle LDR on Twitter. And remember, power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work.